0: You're listening to Strictly Business podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, I thought of you yesterday. I was doing a market report after you know the, the market closing report, and I always give the you know the top five and the bottom five. And I looked at the bottom five again, and the platinum group metals diggers. Sell-off is relentless. And I thought, when does a person like Wayne have his his resolve tested so severely that he
0: starts to get nervous? Have
1: you had that feeling recently?
0: Well, I suppose it happens every time. You know, when you're trying to buy something that's cheap and hopefully near the bottom, you question your decision as to whether it's right or not. And that's life and that's investments unfortunately i still think that you know obviously could have bought them lower you know but uh you'll still make a lot of money on a one on on a one to two year view yeah if you take anglo platinum i'm just having a look at that now right you know it's testing that 600 low again after going up to almost 800 a couple of days ago but yeah I mean, when you consider where this has come from, I think 2,500 was the high, and it's now 600 bucks. You know, is the bottom 400, is the bottom 600? You just don't know. Um, but yeah, Uh I suppose that's investing and you've got to get used to it.
1: I just wonder where the selling's coming from. And, and, and if you have any signals where you say, OK, I thought it would stop at 600, but it's actually gone to, you know, 550 or 500 now or with reference to Anglo-American platinum, which you brought up. And do you say to yourself, that was the day when it turned? In other words, it's almost like a vacuum. And there's no more selling and this price starts to go up. It doesn't have a V-shaped recovery, but it starts to go up. And that's when you start building even more of a position, I would imagine. What's your experience in the decades you've been in the business?
0: Well, my experience generally revolves around a couple of things. First of all, there's a saying that I truly believe in, but I don't always follow, unfortunately, because I'm human. (laughs) And that is don't try and catch a falling sword. Yes. In other words, when these things plummet, leave it alone. Even if you miss the first 20% of the rise, the first 30% of the rise, if you're right, they're going to double and double again. You know, so don't try and catch a falling sword, but unfortunately, I'm human. And sometimes you think, no, man, this thing is cheap. I must buy now before the first 20% rise. And that's when... That's probably the biggest mistakes I've made in investments is buying too early, buying before the bottom. I've never regretted the decision I've made in two specific examples. One is Kumba Iron Ore Cup many years ago, where the price went from 600 all the way down to 150, and I bought, and the next stop was 25. I remember. But the next stop was 800. Mm. But the next stop was 800. So, you know, what difference did it really make at the end of the day other than about, uh, well, it must have been almost a year of, quite frankly, stress, uh, you know, until it did turn.
1: That's
0: a long and time, that's a when long time turn, to be stressed, Wayne, a year. Yeah, but that's part of investments, eh? You know, there's nothing there's nothing that unusual about that. You know, the next stop was 800. I was just checking that now. Yeah. Literally, the next stop was eight hundred. So, whether you bought—if you bought at twenty-five, great for you—but if you bought at one hundred and thirty, and the next stop was eight hundred, you know, you—you you did okay. You, you had, had a year of pain, pain. stressed.
1: Yeah, you had serious pain. You
0: know, because because you know, clients don't like that. You know, clients expect you to buy at the bottom and sell at the top.
1: Hmm. Well, this is what and, uh, i was coming to when you, know, you see but do the, clients or the, your the or your shares mm, sorry go on with your uh, explanation and i'll ask you my pithy you know, question those
0: two shares we're talking about um, impala and kumba mm. are both proper deep value shares at that stage of the cycle yeah and you can ask any deep value manager you know you have one happy year in four but then that happy year is is very happy the other three are terrible but, you know, that's life. Yeah, that's investments.
1: Uh, that, yeah, that's investments. That's life. I suppose if you're not in investments, you can at least remove one year of pain from, from your life and just get on with doing what you really, really like doing. And that's, that's something else that we need not talk about. But is there any time where someone has pulled you aside and said, listen here, McCurry, I want to see you in my office on Monday morning at 10 o'clock? things aren't going so well and we've got to do something about this have you ever had that or do people because of your track record always say no we in mccurry we trust look
0: yeah look let me answer that question a slightly different way around all right the mere fact that i'm still in this business Ah. tells you that that didn't happen often because this is a ruthless business When I think back of all the people still in investments when I started, there's very few. Lot of bright lights over the last 30 years that looked like absolute winners, but they've all faded and gone. So that's the first (laughs) part of the answer, is that I'm still here and kicking, despite all the many, many mistakes I've made. You know, I'm, I'm still here and kicking. And then secondly, I was quite fortunate in that the people above me in the hierarchy understood investments number one and number two, you always fall back on one golden rule, and that is a diversified portfolio, so no one bet kills you hmm. and that I swear by that blind so even though you make As long as you make more right decisions than wrong decisions and you have a well-diversified portfolio and you're not stepping too far away from, you know, you're not not going out on a limb on any one position, you'll survive. You'll be okay. You won't be at the top if you make too many wrong decisions, but you'll never die. You'll never be called into the office
1: all right so there's no office calling now because of because of platinum because platinum in two years time is going to be triple what you paid for it that's your your overriding and a feeling and also from bitter personal experience and then good personal experience
0: that is what is going to happen yeah good i think so i mean i don't know the future at all and no one knows the future but you know if the past cycle if past cycles or any indication of the future cycle That's more or less what can happen on it, what's going to happen on it, you know? Because the price is always this low when there's high interest rates and slowing economic growth worldwide. So nothing unusual now is happening. And I think that's the point a lot of people don't understand. And that's this discussion around cycles. What's happening now is not unusual. We are in an economic slowdown because of high interest rates, because of high inflation, and a commodity cycle always falls in that period, and commodity shares always fall in that period, and the rand is always weak in that period. So what's happening now right across the board is not unusual. In fact, it's very, very normal. Now, if the future is a repeat of past cycles in two or three years' time, the interest rates will be lower, inflation will be lower, the world's economies will pick up. The commodity cycle will pick up. The commodity shares will go up and the rand will strengthen. And that will also be a very normal cycle. And yes. just one more thing on cycles and picking the bottom. Both ways, by the way, at the bottom, the bad news peaks the day before the price turns. Yes. So, in other words, when you least feel like buying those shares, when you are swamped with bad news, that probably is the time to buy it. And exactly the opposite, the good news peaks the day before the price falls. And there a good example is Bitcoin, Bitcoin, when it got up to $65,000, there was only good news you couldn't find, and scrap of bad news about Bitcoin, it was only going to go up and up and up, and next stop was 100,000. You know, that that is unfortunately the psychology of markets. And We're all human, but you've got to at least try and understand that psychology. But as I said, the biggest mistakes I've made in investments is buying too early because you just think, damn it, this thing's fallen enough now. It's really cheap, and it is really cheap if it recovers, but it gets a lot cheaper first. Now, the Kumba iron ore is an unusual thing because the fall down in 2013, 2014, uh, 2015, was after the biggest commodity boom we have ever seen in our lifetime, the back of China, and then massive, massive overinvestment by the commodity companies in new production. They almost went bankrupt. And remember, Anglos wanted to sell Kumba because they didn't think it was a core asset, and they passed their dividend. Now, this down cycle, that's not going to happen. The companies have got Lot of cash on the balance sheet. They've spent no capital investment since 2015 on expanding capacity. So we might even have a better than normal cycle. In that you're going to get demand going up in in a little bit of a supply vacuum because there's no new supply anywhere for anything. That uh, it might actually be quite a nice cycle. Mm.
1: Let's hope so, and especially as China is, is starting to stabilise, I think. Here's a sector that we haven't spoken about. I don't think we've ever spoken about it, actually, because we've always been focused on the ones that you're comfortable with. But there was an update today from a company called Life Healthcare Group. Now, this, as it says, it's healthcare. It's a hospital group. And the share price has fallen no, more than 8%. Now, it's supposed to be defensive. Is this something that you look at and say, well, that's an opportunity? Or do you say something that something like well that's the reason i prefer platinum group metals to the, the healthcare business
0: well look there the the the, the, the platinum is just to finish that discussion yeah the platinums are a pure turnaround strategy type of thing understood that's a, that's a deep deep value investment uh life healthcare and and its ilk are very different uh uh, uh propositions if you like to put it that way so in theory the healthcare companies, along with the, I suppose, the life insurance retailers, etc., should be really stable companies. Okay, yeah. uh, but personally, I'm not all that keen on the healthcare business. I, I just don't. I don't like the um, sector at all, Um, simply for for a couple of reasons. The first is that uh, governments worldwide want to cut the cost of healthcare to their citizens. And this is an international phenomenon, and how that manifests itself in South Africa is direct intervention. Okay. And there they've done it, the government's done it by the single exit pricing to get the cost of medicine down, where you can only charge so much and you can only take so much of a markup. It's now legislated. And then secondly, all of this noise about NHI.
1: Well, that noise and, has been around for a long time, Wayne, let's face it. And yes. I personally don't but think it's gonna to, to happen for a while because the money simply isn't there. No,
0: it won't happen. I I agree with you there, it won't happen for the there, but it's always this this Cloud hanging over the healthcare industry. Hmm. When's it coming? What's it going to be? How, I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime. By the way, no, no, right. Because I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to pass the constitutional vetting because the government can force you to pay taxes. They can. They can force you to do that. In other words, that's fine. Um, you pay for your rates and taxes, and you pay for your electricity because, in theory, you consume that product the government's providing, but to force you to change your medical scheme and to force you by law to pay money into a medical scheme that you might not want to be a part of. In other words, they are taking away your freedom of choice of where you want to spend your money. That's like saying, look, no one can buy caviar because... Caviar is extravagant and it's wasting money and there's poor people around you are hungry. So all that money you used to spend at Woolworths, you are now, I'm going to force you to join this scheme where everyone gets, you know, basic foodstuff, a parcel of basic foodstuffs, foodstuff every day and we're all the same. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't think that's going to work constitutionally. How can they force you to decide where you want to spend your discretionary income? So I, I, I just don't think it's going to fly, but you're going to hear substantial noise about it and even more coming up for election year.
1: Yes, you're it is. A politi- it's, it's, it's a political football, let's face it. At the moment, yes. And they have to say the right thing, uh, but whether they deliver the right thing, we know what the, the politicians track record in the, that the regard track is. not good. No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. So just
0: coming back to life healthcare, they, they, mm. they're reporting uh, continued operations, earnings are up slightly right but all with continue with discontinued is down but remember they've sold that business in the uk which i thought was quite a good business actually so they've lost that uh, income stream in other words yeah but they sold it for a good price i think if i remember correctly it was a while back when they announced that sale but they sold it for a good price but you ask why the share price is down now normally well, not normally, when a company reports earnings down 10%, and it's at an eight price earnings ratio, in other words, a discount to the market, share price might actually go up because there's more than that bad news already in the share price. But when, like healthcare, when you report a 10% drop in overall earnings and you're at an 18 price earnings ratio, Ah. there's no room for bad news. And that's why the share price is down.
1: Okay. So people always
0: ask me, why did, the, why did the price go up when the earnings were down? Or they have, sometimes they ask me, why did the price go down when the earnings are up? And it's the change in earnings relative to the expectation that the market has on those earnings changes.
1: Yeah, that's a good explanation. Okay, so not, it's still a, a good company, but unfortunately, it, it, price-earnings ratio was too high given the earnings that it's just... Released or will be releasing after this operational yeah. update. Okay, I understand now. Now, you were talking, Wayne, about uh, an expensive foodstuff, caviar. You can't even get it anymore because the sturgeon uh, from which caviar eggs are derived is an endangered species and you're not allowed to fish them from the Caspian Sea in Russia anymore until the stocks are replenished. <coughs> okay, now, you like a steak, don't you? You like to eat steak. Yes. Okay. The first Let me read you this. I'm reading it from the Evening Standard in London. It says here, this is my food story of the day, by the way. I haven't got any good ones of my own. Okay. it says here, The first overseas branch of Aragawa, a Tokyo-based steak specialist, launched on Clarges Street in Mayfair, the smart part of London, of course, on October the 20th, so just a few days ago. The restaurant is famous in Japan for serving the meat of the Tajima Heifer, a breed of ultra-premium Kobe beef, And the owner says, we're bringing the best quality when it comes to the meat, something you rarely even see in Japan. That was the co-owner. This means the cost of the meat is very high. And we're not just overpricing it, he says, uh, just because it's London. It says here, Tajima beef, Wayne. And you're a foodie. I hate that word, but I'm going to use it. Tajima beef must undergo rigorous certification by the Japanese Ministry of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries. The criteria includes marbling, that's the fat business, texture and the age of the cow, which must be at least 28 months. Though Ogawa, the owner, says the restaurant's meat is aged far beyond that. Now, the, the kitchen will be overseen by steak master Kazuo Imayoshi, who has spent his entire career at the restaurant and is moving to London for the launch. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. Yeah, it has to be cooked over a certain type of white charcoal, which is imported from uh, Japan and in a special custom-made kiln, and only three steaks can be cooked at the same time. But the price is the one that I really wanted to talk to you about. Now, let's say that, I mean, you're a careful person. You shop at Pick and Pay for your, for, for your clothes. So you, you, you're not an extravagant person. But if you had the uh, inclination, would you pay £750 for a 400-gram steak, which is 15,000 rand for a steak?
0: No, are, are you loony? Are you crazy? Well, this is what they're charging. So, you, uh, you, you get wine with it. Now... Mm -hmm. All I can say is, no matter how much money you got, Mm -hmm. that is just wasting money. It is, but you know what? It doesn't matter how rich you are, that is just wasting money. You can't get a table there, because people are there. Well, then there's there's a lot of... Rich but foolish people around.
1: It's unbelievable. It's 15,000 Rand for a steak. And do you know what you <coughs> yeah. get with it? I mean, he doesn't even, he goes in the kiln, but it's only got salt and pepper on it. And you get a
0: small portion of mixed
1: vegetables with it and a little bit of wine. No, well,
0: look, put it this way. Number, first thing that's wrong there is the price, obviously. Yeah. Second thing that's wrong there how can you have a steak without chippies? And onion ring. Then it's I don't not think the, the Japanese steak. go in for that. You
1: know, it's not the spur
0: away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with spur. In fact, no. spur, spur. I normally just have the burger and the or the spare ribs. Yeah. But you always have the onion rings. I mean, they are delicious. Now, I've often spoken very, very, very positively about spur, but deep in my subconscious, I have a deep With a a spur, because they took Mm. garlic snails off the menu.
1: Oh, yes, I remember that. That that really wounded you. Terrible.
0: Now, Mm. the only place you can get nice garlic snails now is the Honey Rock Motel. And they serve you garlic snails. I gotcha. As you got in the 70s and 80s. (laughs) And it's fantastic. In fact, I was there last Friday. And I had garlic snails. And prawns, and they were both of them were delicious.
1: I wonder how many garlic snails and all spur burgers and and chippies, as you call them, and onion rings you could get for fifteen thousand rand instead of just a four hundred gram jam, a, a Japanese steak. A lot,
0: a lot. In, in South Africa, in South Africa, an excellent steak. I mean, a truly outstanding, excellent steak in 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 a fancy restaurant in in a fancy restaurant Three, might cost you 300 300 That's, i was going to say that yeah 300. Mm. <laughs> so you can get thirty thirty five steaks
1: i was i was astounded yeah. by this story
0: no more than that mm. yeah Oh,
1: well, I wonder what you're going to be eating with the World's Biggest Rugby Fan for that. on Saturday uh, for the world, uh, the Rugby Ooh, no, World Cup a, final. What have, what have you got planned? Got a, Please tell me, food-wise oh, as well. Oh, very,
0: very, very, very nice evening planned. Okay. Is we're going to Mount Grace in the Michalisburg. Oh, yeah, I know that place. And we're staying over for the night, and we're having a nice meal at one of their restaurants. And then they've got a big screen... Uh, projector and showing the tv in a room or somewhere and there's going to be lots of people there and we're going to have a grand old time
1: and hopefully a satisfactory conclusion for south african rugby
0: supporters yes yes it will be but even if you don't do it will be disappointing but you still made the finals yes because essentially a one game of two well-matched teams is almost a coin flip you yeah. know both teams get both mm. teams have got equal chance of winning and it's one slip up or one bad decision or so i don 't think either team will dominate on the day, same as South Africa look New Zealand had a relatively easy path to the final I mean obviously Ireland was bad mm. was it was a tough game, but we had to we had to take on. Obviously, all the people in our pool, which included Ireland, and then France, and then England. And those weren't easy games. We discussed the England game last week. Mm. And a, England actually played better rugby than the Springboks. We happened to have won, but England played better rugby than the Springboks. Bucks.
1: They just made a silly so mistake a two, in the last two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it did, yeah, It was a great disappointment to me, but uh, well done, the Spring Bucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but but the point is, uh, a final with South Africa. We know we're not we're not playing a, a team that we beat eighty percent of the time in the final. You know, and there a good example was uh, Argentina, New Zealand. You know, New Zealand just dominated. But so I think it'll be. I think it's going to be extremely close. Which is always a very tense but very good game to watch.
1: Well, I want you to look after the world's biggest rugby fan because she's going to be in tatters a bit before the game, the build-up, during the game. She'll be throwing beer tins at the big screen and that sort of thing. And then, if it is disappointing afterwards, you must put a consoling arm around her shoulder. Uh, but- oh no 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 no
0: no! She's she will she will she will survive. Even if we lose, she she will she will survive. But it's quite interesting. Mm. Our old dog that unfortunately passed away um, two or three months ago, he didn't like rugby because the world's biggest rugby fan clapped her hands and shouted and, you know, got involved in the game. And he didn't know what was happening. He just didn't like this because the world's, re- world's biggest rugby fan is normally a very reserved, quiet person. Hmm. So he used to go outside and bark and see if there was anyone at the gate and he thought there was something untoward happening. Uh, but the new dog, the new hound, the little puppy, he hardly even blinks an eyelid.
1: He loves it. Mm,
0: okay. So he's more of a rugby dog. <laughs> okay. Or maybe maybe he's just more used to us uh, shouting at him because having a puppy in the house is like having a baby with teeth. <laughs>
1: Chewing away at the sofas. Okay, Wayne.
0: Chews everything and wants to bite everything. Little bit trying sometimes, oh, to sure. be honest. Yeah, exactly. Well, you've made terribly, a- cute, but, hmm. terribly cute, but a proper terrorist.
1: My puppy days are over. Wayne, thank you so much for your, your insight. Have a lovely time at the Mount Grace. Fine establishment. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at f and Wealth and Investment. And that was Wayne on Wednesday.